but I was still looking for something to sell B2C because my agency is B2B. And so I was getting all these TikTok followers, but I can only monetize people that have a business, which is like less than 1% of my followers. I just got ripped in the comments. Welcome to Behind the Frames podcast. Today, we're gladly joined by Hayden Cashin. Cashin is the owner of Cashin Marketing, a B2B marketing agency, as well as the co-founder and CEO of Modern Market Certificates, an educational company to help people get better at digital marketing. And Hayden Pyre makes a lot of content on TikTok, where he started back in 2020 because of a session he had with his fitness trainer. And he genuinely just asked me, like he wasn't even trying to razz me or like didn't know, but he's like, oh cool, like what do you do on TikTok? And I was like, oh, like I'm not on TikTok. And he was like, he was like, what? But I find it like not super interesting or kind of boring just because it's like stuff I do every single day. Mm-hmm. And I think like you gotta realize like the audience doesn't. And today in this conversation, we spoke about his beginning of his entrepreneurial journey with cash and marketing right before COVID how he began posting on TikTok, and how his content has led to the beginning of his second business, Modern Market Certificates. And welcome to my conversation with Hayden. All right, so nothing you did up to now matters because today is the first day of the rest of your life. Mm. You You posted that on your Instagram story like three days ago. Can you elaborate more on that? Yeah, I think something that's really important is to not let the past dictate the future. I think I've seen a lot of people work on something for a long period of time, a year, two years, and start to get frustrated with its progress. And that dwindles into how they act on it in this very moment. Um, and I think that's not a strong mental frame. What What I would recommend is to stop thinking about everything that's happened and treat this moment as the first moment of the future because it creates a lot more excitement, a lot more creativity, a lot more open-minded bliss, a lot more of the ingredients that you had when you first started. Um, And so I think that mental frame is very powerful to wake up every single day and remember this is the start of everything left in your life. Nothing in in the past actually is relevant to this moment anymore. That's amazing. And you'll be reading this book called The Richest Man in Babylon mm-hmm. by George yeah. Mason. What does this yeah. book mean to you? Yeah, so one thing um, I've never focused much on is the management of money and the multiplication of money. I've always been someone who just generates income, but I've never looked at what to do, you know, from a systematic standpoint or just an you know, an intelligent standpoint once you have money. And so this book is really helping me understand um, what to do once you receive it in order to make it multiply and in order to create a plan for, you know, the rest of your life and actually beyond your life. And so that's what I'm seeking out of this book. Awesome. Awesome. And I think for most people, um, you're known for someone who's really great with marketing and sales specifically with digital ads and mm-hmm. he actually goes all the way back like when you were in high school even elementary school that you were working in sales like what was sort of like your first taste of marketing and sales what was your first exposure my first taste of like it's funny so i worked in retail at a skateboard shop when i was maybe in grade like 10 onward for like six years And so selling stuff like that, like selling clothes and and all that type of stuff. But my first like hands-on 
thing where like I really cared about it was actually I started making music in grade 12 and it's what transitioned me fully into like being interested in marketing is when I was making music, my second favorite part was marketing the music. Um, and then over time, my passion for creating the music lowered, but my passion for marketing the music never did. Um, and so I decided to dive into, you know, that path that was presenting itself for me and switched up. I was going to school for economics at the time, and I switched my degree to business and marketing within business. And um, the rest is history. So yeah, my earliest true essence was probably in grade 12 when I was marketing my own music. Um, and I was never the kid that was like selling lemonade, selling baseball cards, like the traditional entrepreneurial journey. I always say I, uh, I wasn't like a necessarily a purebred entrepreneur. I just had certain opportunities in my life that the entrepreneurial route actually just logically made more sense based on the opportunities that were presenting itself. And I decided to pursue it, especially um, because I was 22, 23 at the time. And there was no risk. Like I had a great job, but at the time I was still living with my parents. And, you know, I think I bought my first car when I started my company. So like I had no overhead, no worries, and was just free to take a real risk. Um, and that it's funny after, after taking that risk and starting my own company, you start to taste what freedom feels like in the sense of no one can tell you anything because you can always fire them. And then it becomes hard to go back to a scenario where someone can fire you per se. And like, obviously a client can always fire you in the agency world, but it doesn't end everything. You have other clients. Whereas if you get fired from a job, you like really are restarting. Um, and so that, that level of freedom is something that is quite addicting and it's probably the number one reason I am still an entrepreneur and will most likely always be an entrepreneur. That's awesome. Like, Given, I liked you tapping to, you said earlier, of like lemonade stand or like baseball yeah. cards. What would you say are your your earliest influences on entrepreneurship? Um, on entrepreneurship specifically? So I'll go into that in a second, but I've actually just always been attracted to greatness. Um, so as a, as a younger kid, like I was really big into hip hop music. I was a big when I was like a kid, like elementary school, I was a huge fan of Eminem. And then as I grew older, I became a fan of Drake as he started to ascend. And I've always just been a fan of people who are on top of the music industry. Um, of course, you know, fan of all the biggest athletes. And then as I matured, became a fan of CEOs and certain operators and, you know, speakers and thinkers and things of that nature. And I think one of the transition points was really in 2018 end of 2017, early 2018, when my friend introduced me to Gary Vee's content. And I started to understand this amazing world of entrepreneurship and how, um, you know, you could be in control of your outcomes and in control of your destiny and in control of the way you structure your companies and the types of people that you hire and the types of projects you work on and how, you know, it's really just, you know, making smart decisions and working very hard. Um, and so that was truly the first taste of like real entrepreneurship. But I think I've always been attracted to greatness. Absolutely. Love the way you framed it. And when you mentioned like about Gary VT, I remember you actually happened to the VCon, like just mm. about years ago. How was, how yeah. was that? 
Yeah, VCOM was sick. Actually, so in 2018, I actually went to Gary's office. Mm. Um, so the guy who introduced me to Gary's content ended up starting a podcast. You know him, Jacob Kelly. And this is when I met Jacob in 2018. Wow. And um, I was his first guest on his podcast. And I told him, uh, actually, sorry, he made a goal that when he gets to 15 episodes, he wants to go to New York and film episodes with big, bigger names in New York. And I told him, cool, when you do that, count me in. I'm coming for the ride. And so he quickly got to 15 episodes because he's a consistent person. And then we started booking guests in New York. And two of the guests were Gary's employees. So one of them was Caleb Ralston, who is uh, who is Gary's videographer. And now he's actually Hermosi's. I don't know if he's his videographer or he's like head of media or content or something, but he's, he's with Hermosi now. And then the other person was Brandon Hatcher, who was the I don't know if he was the head, but he was a part of Vayner Talent, I believe. And mm -hmm. so we went to Gary's office on two different occasions to film these interviews. And we actually got to go into Gary V's um, like office, like not the building, but like his actual office, the, the classic office with all the content. Me and, me and Jacob have a photo in there. Um, and then, yeah, I bought into V Friends when it minted. I minted V Friends. I minted two of them. And uh, went to both VCons. I'll be going to VCon this year in LA most likely. I do have a wedding in the UK the next week, so we'll have to see how that um, aligns. But yeah, I think I'll be going to VCon 3 as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. By the way, congratulations on that. Uh, <laughs> happy for you. Um, so Thank in you. 2019, um, you started your own business, uh, your own marketing agency, uh, Cashier Marketing, to help you yeah. with digital marketing. Um, and now it's involved into this huge digital ads empire, which is incredibly amazing. Um, and in COVID, um, that was 2020, you yeah. were running the agency, um, and COVID hit and yeah. you didn't start making TikTok right away. Like no. you spent almost a year just running the business by yourself in yeah. COVID. Like, how yeah. is, how is that year look like? Yeah. Like, you know, I definitely got hit. Um, but I didn't get hit as bad as like other people necessarily, you know, COVID was interesting because it didn't. COVID didn't COVID everyone the same. Some businesses exploded during COVID. Some businesses were neutral. Some businesses lost a lot, but also gained a lot and then became neutral as well. And then some businesses got destroyed. Um, my business was one that lost a lot and gained a lot because I have clients in the sphere of industries. If they're in an industry where COVID helped it because they're an online business, um, those clients exploded and I would get more of those clients. And then uh, you know, I had a CFL team at the time. I had the Red Blacks. And so the CFL shut down for like two years. So I lost the Red Blacks. And funny enough, I was actually in conversations to get more CFL teams. I was going to have, if all those deals went through, I would have had four CFL teams. And I was really excited for that opportunity. I was going to build a sports division. And um, when the CFL shut down, like all that went away. And so I got hit, but I also had wins with other clients. And so my net was pretty neutral. So yeah, COVID was just an interesting experience because you had to be very empathetic to the clients. You know, they'd come to you with, you know, the struggles that they're going through and sometimes they couldn't pay on time or sometimes they would have to discontinue the service because of their circumstances. And, you know, as a good person outside of being a business owner, just as a general good person, you'd have to be empathetic and understanding. And, you know, if a client said they had to leave, sometimes you have to be like, you know what, I actually think that is best for you. And um, so it was really, it was an interesting time. I'm, I'm blessed that I got to, you know, go through that at the beginning of my business ownership. It was just after a year in, um, it taught me a lot, made me better. 
and it actually birthed my second company, which is the Modern Marketing Certificate as well. Um, so yeah, COVID, you know, from a, a business standpoint, was something that I look at as a blessing, as I try to do with most things in life. Absolutely. And when you said it kind of led to the birth of your TikTok account, and now you're consumer modern marketing certificate mm -hmm. certificate company. Yep. So yeah, what happened? What happened on September? What happened in the summer of 2021? <laughs> this is a great story. So uh, my trainer, I was having a talk with him and I was telling him, Hey, you got to get on TikTok. You got to get on TikTok. You know, personal trainers are crushing on TikTok. And this was, uh, this was, yeah, the summer of 2021, I believe August of 2021. Mm -hmm. And I, I told some other people in the past I had to get on TikTok and the ones that did um, crushed, like they crushed. And so I was telling this trainer, my trainer to get on TikTok. Um, so I was like, fitness content's exploding. Like you'll just grab a lot of market share. It'll be great. And he genuinely just asked me, like he wasn't even trying to razz me or like didn't know, but he's like, oh, cool. Like, what do you do on TikTok? And I was like, oh, like I'm not on TikTok. And he was like, he was like, what? And I was like, no, no like, yeah. Like he's like, and he didn't even like say anything, just like the question and me being there being like, I'm telling you to do something, I won't even do it for myself. Like, it was kind of like, I almost hate people that do that. So like seeing myself do that, I was like, okay, I got to fix this right now. So literally, I left that session, um, put out, a, I think I put out an Instagram story saying I need a videographer. Um, I linked up with, with Jamie Lee, who I'd already known for a long time, he just messaged me. And a week later, we had our first shoot um, and put out the content right away. And then uh, we never missed. We shot bi-weekly, 30 videos bi-weekly. And we put out two videos a day or four videos a day. I'm not sure. Um, for the first little while. And to this day, actually, we still post two videos a day. We've never missed for years now. So, yeah, that's how that happened. This is crazy because I remember going through your profile just before this call you posted like 30 minutes ago so this is like <laughs> incredibly in, incredibly consistent and that yeah. is that is a muscle that is very rare so i i appreciate you for that and um okay so let's let's go back to um september 2021 you were doing 30 videos with your videographer bi-weekly and you kept consistently posting <laughs> Um, and you slowly grew with like a decent audience, a decent community who are interested in learning about digital marketing. And then mm -hmm. you saw this little disconnect where like you have been making a lot of these videos about digital marketing and you were also running a digital marketing agency. And I found this to be like incredibly interesting. Yeah. Um, so like, can like, like sitting at that point, let's say you have about 20, 30 or maybe 50,000 followers, like while running this agency, like, like how did Morden marketing certificate come to life? Yeah. So it's an interesting story. So in 2017, I took a digital marketing certificate, uh, in Ottawa where I was living at the time. And, um, it was great. It's the reason I got my first job in digital marketing and it changed my life really. And I always told the people that ran it, I was like, you guys need to scale this. You guys need to scale this because they were doing it locally. They're doing it in person and you, mm -hmm. you can only take that so far. Yeah. And I was like, you guys need to get online. And then COVID hit and then they ended up going online and like doing a certificate. And I was like, oh, great. Like, <laughs> here we go. And then to my surprise, they ended up shutting the program down. And it was like the complete opposite of like 
what I saw. And so I thought about it. I linked up with a business partner and we decided to do our own version of it, make changes that we thought would make it better. And that was the birth of modern marketing certificate. And so it was kind of like three things happening at once. The old certificate went out of business, which put the seed in my head, but I was still looking for something to sell B2C because my agency is B2B. And so I was getting all these TikTok followers, but I can only monetize people that have a business, which is like less than 1% of my followers. And so 99% of my followers, I'm like, I can't actually transact with them. I need a B2C product. So this fit the mold perfectly. And then I actually knew someone who had previously done a startup in online education and they were in. And so I was like, cool, everything aligned, let's rock. And that was uh, the reason Modern Marketing was was born. This is, yeah, awesome, awesome. And how was it like at the very beginning running two businesses at the same time? Yeah, it wasn't just two businesses. It was it was two businesses, but the second one was a partnership. So like I hadn't ever done a partnership either. So there was that dynamic as well. Um, but it was kind of conquer and divide at first. Um, we luckily had our own strengths. I was the marketer. He was the salesperson. Um, and so I would focus on everything that was digital marketing related. So that obviously means marketing the program, but that also means building the curriculum because the curriculum is all about marketing. Um, that also means sourcing the instructors and quality controlling the instructors. Um, so I kind of had that side of the business. And then he had the sales side. He had the student management side. And then what we later found out is a lot of, as we built our TikTok page for modern marketing, is a lot of people wanted to be a brand sponsor. So then he would manage brand brand partnerships. Um, so we really conquered and divided, but um, we're the type of people that we have daily meetings, we touch base all the time and just really be in sync. But we would really just work in our silos, come back and report. I see, I see. I <laughs> want to switch gears and actually talk a little bit more about the content itself. Yeah. So you are... We, when you and your videographer um, coming together bi-weekly and make all these videos, like, can you maybe show us more about like what does the process look like? What is like from the planning to filming to distributing? Like, how does it all look like for you? Yeah, like my my whole mindset around it is that I'm gonna put out so much content over my lifetime that each piece doesn't matter if that makes sense. Like if you're planning on putting out 10 videos across your life, well, like you better make those 10 videos really encapsulate everything you're trying to say. For me, I was like, I'm going to put out tens of thousands across, you know, the decades I'm alive. And so there's no need to overthink one. Um, and so I was really running gun. And luckily, like I do have a bit of a, a performer element to me. I'm not afraid to, you know, get up on stage and really like, you know, put on a performance. And that's not necessarily to say like saying things that aren't true, but it's in which you say them, how you say them, the energy in which you say them. I previously made music and I was a rapper. So delivering words in, in ways that really convey messages and um, performing in front of a crowd is something I've done before. And um, so, yeah, it was quite easy for me to get up in front of the camera and just start riffing. And then luckily, my videographer, Jamie, was, is a beast. And so he would take it back, edit them. They'd basically be fire. And in the beginning, there's always some tweaks. There's always like, hey, I like this. I don't like this, X, Y, Z. But then they start to get to know you, your style. 
and um, then basically all the edits are fire. And then I have someone who's posting. So my whole mindset going into content in, in the early days was I want to spend as little time as possible doing this. And so all I would do is literally show up on shoot day, which we'd shoot in my place. And so basically walk down the stairs and then for two hours we would set up like we had like our flow. So we had four different areas in, in the living room, kitchen area. So we had um, in front of um, the island, on the left side of the island, on the right side of the island, and then kind of in like an armchair with like the living room behind us. And we'd literally just like shoot two videos there, two videos there, two videos there, two videos there. And then I'd like change my shirt. And then we shoot two videos, two videos, two videos, two videos, and I change my shirt. And so like literally that's all that we would do. Um, and so it would be very efficient. Like Jamie would just be like <laughs> literally like moving the camera. Um, and then I would just have a topic and I would just riff. Like, I don't know. It's, it's quite easy for me to, after doing so many videos, it's quite easy for me to understand, like almost like see the video as I'm doing it, if that makes sense. Mm. And even like, I'll be like, check out right here. And I'll tell Jamie, I'll be like, I'll send you a, an image to put here. Okay. And then, so I'm like literally seeing the content as I'm producing it. Um, and yeah, I don't know if that's like something that I'm lucky to have, or that's just a muscle I've built through practice, but yeah, it would be very freestyle. And I, I had a very good editor. So I was, I knew the edits would be fire. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And then when you were going through all these shots or all these shoots, like, since you mentioned earlier, you were pretty comfortable being in front of the camera. You got all this little like performance mindsets. You are very comfortable of like going off script and also visualizing the output as we were filming it. Yeah. What would you say is the harder part about content for you personally? Um, finding stuff you're passionate to talk about. Like there's a lot of stuff that I can talk about but I find it like not super interesting or kind of boring just because it's like stuff I do every single day. Mm -hmm. And I think like you got to realize like the audience doesn't. And so a lot of times the most simple things, the things that you've said in the meeting five times just today um, is the stuff that's going to resonate the most with the audience. And so I think it's about like being excited about the simple basics and not just trying to like look for like the hottest new thing and like talk about it because that's exciting to you as like a practitioner. Um, yeah, I think like almost like empathizing that the audience aren't experts and you sometimes need to just talk about like the simplest things. Can you, do you have an example that you could share? Yeah. Like, um, if I'm talking about like how to, how to shoot content efficiently, right. Um, if you have a topic, you should take that topic and you should a shoot a long version and a short version. So what that looks like is basically shooting a version where you just say the thing and then shooting a version where you say the thing and add an example. Right. And basically like that's a super basic framework. Um, and that'd be a boring video for me to create, but for a lot of people out there, they'd be like, Oh my God, like that'll double my own, but that's so smart. Like, and so for me, like making a video like that is very boring and not exciting, but for the audience, it can actually scale because a lot of people can really take that and run with it. Absolutely. Was yeah. there a most memorable TikTok that you have? <laughs> yeah, there actually is. This is so funny. This was like, 
my first ever like somewhat viral TikTok. It got 150,000 views. And I was talking, <laughs> this is so funny. I was talking about how um, I have like a meal delivery service and how it saves me. It wasn't that it saves me money. It was that it saves me time. And this is like, actually, it's so, it's funny because like this was like September 2021. So I'm trying to remember the content exactly. Um, but basically, in the opening line, I said, here's how I save time, right? And I was like, I have these meal delivery services. You know, it costs, and this is how I think about it. It costs $18 a meal. But if you go to the grocery store all in, a meal is probably like eight bucks. And so I'm paying $10 extra is essentially what I'm paying. But for that $10, I'm I'm saving 20 minutes of prep um, and maybe, you know, whatever, 30 minutes of prep and 30 minutes of cleanup. So I'm saving an hour. So as long as I value my time above 10 bucks an hour, it makes sense, right? I just got ripped in the comments of like people going, I pay $2 for my meals and da, da, da. And like people saying, this won't save you money. You're so stupid. But like the craziest part is the first line says, this is how I save time. I never said I save money. Although you do when you play the chess out, but I was saying, this is how I save time. And people like didn't hear that part almost and just went into the comments and it went a bit viral in the UK because a lot of people that were freaking out at me um, were using the pound symbol to say how much they spend on money. But one of the, the cool things was the Kardashians um, head of like e-commerce um, commented and said, this is genius. And so I was like, cool, like that's a winner over there and they, they get it. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, the right person gets it. And so, um, yeah, that video always makes me smile. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I actually can circulate back to a lot of similar videos that I was looking at around this time. Um, now there are a lot of, I think, I think these kind of videos were around for all kinds of reasons at all times, but then like it was very interesting to look at what these kind of videos can do to your profile. Yeah. Uh, the amount of traffic it gets, the amount of engagement you get. And that kind of leads it to the next question, which is like, was what was like the most like unexpected thing that have came out of your TikTok that you yeah, just wasn't expecting at all? Well, it truthfully was the brand sponsorship side. I never even thought about it. Um, and even with modern marketing, like in the first year of that business, brand sponsors ended up being 24% of our revenue. And it was not something that we even thought of going in. We were just like, we're going to make videos to get students, period. Um, and so I think that was the part, like, and then with my personal, I was like, I'm just going to make videos to get students and to get clients, period. And so, but, you know, I I get, I've easily had about, 200 requests for brand sponsors over the last two years and probably executed like 50 or 60 of them. And so, you know, that it's like real income when you're doing like that many. Um, and so, yeah, that's definitely the most unexpected thing. I did not ever think about it. I see. I see. And I remember you mentioned um, something around the lines of 
95% of people don't know that I ran and pay ad agency on TikTok. Mm, yeah. And you want to amortize that brand throughout your lifetime. So how, can you maybe explain a little bit of why you didn't tell other people you were running and pay ad agency on TikTok? Well, the short answer is I think it's like boring. I almost like want fans. I want fandom. I think that's much more powerful over a long time scale than putting out content where like the hook is to, you know, get someone to join your agency. Um, I think actually giving value and doing it in like a unique way that incorporates your personality and other elements that you find fascinating um, creates real fans, creates real community, creates real connection. And that can be transacted on multiple times over a lifetime and the word of mouth effect will help it scale. So I think for me, I just was not attracted to the short-term transactional nature of trying to focus on pushing my agency. And I also kind of have a little bit of, you know, an affliction with the elusiveness of like, I like when people find out and figure it out and be like, damn, this guy's doing all this. And like, I didn't even realize he has this on the back end. And then he has this other company on that. Like, who is this guy? Like, I like when people kind of discover that. Um, yeah, I like to just keep it, keep it lighthearted and fun and just like value-based at the top for sure. I love that. I love that. Um, and I wanted to like tap into you a little bit of like when you go about hiring. So when you first started making TikTok, you started, like you already had the idea in mind of getting a videographer and an editor. And yeah. when you started doing your modern marketing certificate company, you also started out with a partner doing this in like a partnership scale. Yeah. So I think maybe, maybe let's do, let's do it one by one. Like, can you maybe share with us a little bit more on how did you come to that decision of, doing videographer and editor for your content and yeah. maybe after since then, like have you hired any more people at what capacity and same thing with more than marketing. Um, yeah. So, so on the TikTok side with the videographer and the editor, I had the agency already. I'd been running the agency for two years. And so I didn't have, like there was actually no, no way I could do it on my own. I was so busy that the only way I could do it is if I had an editor and someone to post. And like I said, from the start, my goal was to do this execution, 60 videos a month in the least amount of time possible. That was literally the mission statement. And so, like I said, I just wanted to show up, shoot and have the rest done. I quality control it. You know, I approve all the captions and stuff like that, but um, yeah, I didn't want to spend time on it. And um the reason it made sense is like, A, I already had income coming in to reinvest, but also in agency, when you land a client in an ads agency specifically, it's monthly recurring revenue. And so if my TikTok like generated one and a half clients, I was already profitable. Like all it had to do, like we got, you know, millions of views a month and all I had to do was get one and a half clients and I was already profitable, not even breaking even. Break even was like 1.3 clients or something. And so it wasn't, it was actually, you know, something that generated income for me to spend on a videographer and the poster because it probably got me, you know, 10 or 20 clients over, over the years. And so, yeah. I see. 
And has that mission statement changed? Yeah, like now it's different in my opinion. Doing the talking head videos just doesn't cut it anymore. And that's why you might have even noticed like over the last seven days, eight days, I've started to create videos that I'm creating. I'm doing it in like CapCut and doing it in Mojo and like looking to be inspired, but also tapping into my own creativity. Um, because I think the next evolution of my agency is being that middle point of like creating effective content, but super efficiently using these apps and using all the resources available um, in a manner that's going to go viral, right? If you mm -hmm. use a lot of these cap cut templates and know what types of videos to put into them, it's built to go viral on TikTok. And so um, I want to get my hands dirty over the net, over the a 30 to 60 day period to really understand it on my personal brand. And I want to get creative and kind of curate my brand a little bit more. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's where my content's at now. I see. And you touch a point on virality and I'm curious, what do you think of your relationship with virality content is, is it more of a blessing and a curse or is it always a good thing? Like how, what is your perspective on reality? Um, yeah, as long as you're staying within a box that makes sense for your goal, virality is great. You know, if I go and lip sync to a song and do a stupid dance and go viral, well, my goal is to build myself as a marketing expert and get clients and drive them on a marketing certificate. So that's not going to help. <laughs> then that might even, you know, diminish my credibility. People might not take me as seriously. And so that's why I mean you have to go viral within a box, right? So if I if I go viral in a space that is motivational, entrepreneurial, or marketing related, that's good. But if I do it in something that isn't, um, that's potentially bad. Have you attempt or thought of creating content that is outside of the box? Um, no. Because once again, like one of the things I said is motivational, inspirational, right? So like that gives me the freedom to like do other stuff outside of marketing and business. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to go out there and be like a comedy channel or like, you know what I mean? There's just, you got to keep it within some sort of frame. Um, and yeah, I think there's a level of like respect and authority that I want to have in my brand. And so I'm not trying to do like necessarily like goofy stuff. I see, I see, I see. And yeah. now I actually want to pick your brain on more on like the, the wider level industry stuff. So um, around marketing, the world marketing, I think there is a lot of comments about pay ads. Um, I think in the past few years, people are saying pay ads are not as, a, not as effective as it used to be. Mm -hmm. And a lot of marketing dollars are poured into organic marketing campaigns, influencer marketing. So what are, what are your thoughts around that? Um, just like anything, typically over time, it gets harder solely because more people are doing it. Um, and then iOS 14 changed the game a little bit. It has recovered since um, to a certain extent. So all in all, without more competition, it's gotten slightly harder. And then with more competition, it's got in much harder. Um, but just like TikTok in general, organically has gotten much harder. Just like Instagram Reels was easier and now it's getting harder. Um, as more people enter the market, it gets more competitive. And so 
that's just the nature of kind of the growth of something. And so, yeah, that's genuinely the truth is it's, it's harder, but if you do it well, it can still reap great rewards. I see. I see. And with platforms that are constantly changing, whether if it's the iOS or whether if it's all these social platforms out there, how do you keep yourself up to trend or up to, up to pace? Um, for me, it's really just subscribing to things that are going to send me the latest updates. Um, so TechCrunch is something I subscribe to. TechMeme is something I subscribe to. All the Instagram and Meta related, so Meta, so Facebook, Instagram related marketing updates, you can subscribe to that. All the Google marketing updates, you can subscribe to that. All the TikTok updates, you can subscribe to that. And so that's really all you have to do to stay up to date. They'll send you the new stuff. Um, and then tech meme and tech crunch are general. So you'll get headlines. So for instance, if something happens in TikTok, but they don't want to tell you, so you don't get it from them. Well, tech meme and tech crunch will report on it. And so, yeah, you just have to be subscribed to, you know, the latest headlines in your industry. That's it. It's that simple. I see. I see. And is there sort of a routine that you do every day? that has helped you to become more productive slash creative? Um, it's funny. Yeah. Like I, yes, but it's also ever evolving. So that's, that's the reason I hesitated there is because I've actually done a routine in the last like couple days that has really helped me be more creative, specifically creative. Um, but I have had like a routine for like, since probably 2019, that is, that is actually like certain elements have never changed. Um, but I have moved cities. I've moved where I've lived. So things do change to a certain extent, but essentially the theory is I really like to start my morning slow. I like to start my mornings peaceful. I like to start my mornings where I am in control of what is happening. Not something is being put into my brain. So I'm not reading emails. I'm not reading texts. I'm not listening to podcasts. Like I like to be deciding what I'm consuming, not consumption mm -hmm. coming at me. Um, and then what I was going to say over the next last like four days is I've been starting to do my own content every single day. I've been putting out posts and I have to do it first thing. If I wait till the afternoon, I just, I find myself less creative, um, a bit more tired. And so I found that the first thing I have to do is make my content and post it. Um, so from a creative standpoint, that's it as well. But I would, I would really urge people to like listen to all these different types of morning routines, kind of compile the different options that you have or that people do and start testing them for yourself because there's a lot of things that other people do that I've tested and doesn't work for me. And so there's no one, one size fits all. It's very personal and you just have to go through it and try it. Absolutely. I can personally attest to that as well because everyone is wired a little bit differently. But I think the most important part is to really absorb all these different thoughts out there and try for yourself. Um yeah. don't be too don't be too don't be too arrogant about doing one thing, but then really like giving everything a shot and see what actually works best for you. So percent. Yeah. 
Like I hear, I hear people take cold showers in the morning. Not for me. It's just not so you, for me. You have to try it. How is that? How is that? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I didn't try it. Um, but I do like a little cold plunge here and there. But I don't know. First thing in the morning, dousing myself in cold water is like the way I'd like to start my day. You know, <laughs> seems like a punishment to me. <laughs> what was another one you tried? Um. Well, one thing I do that's that's quite unique. Is I uh, I rate myself on a scale of one to ten in a number of categories. Now it started off with three. It was just how I feel about my life, how I feel about my work, and how I feel about my health. Now I also rate um, the uh, how how much energy I feel like I have. Um, did I go to the gym, and how kind of patient and calm and gentle and relaxed was I yesterday with the people around me. Um, and then I write a note that says, um, why I gave those ratings. And so that's something that I do for two reasons. Number one, it's like my form of journaling. Um, and number two, um, which I'm going to do this weekend is I'm going to take the CSV file that I started in January of this year with all my data that I've logged every single day. Um, I've probably done it about 90% of the days, you know, a couple weekends you miss here and there, but um, 90% of the days, over 200 days logged, and I'm going to put it into chat GPT-4, and I'm going to start to synthesize the note that I wrote against the score that I gave it and start to understand where the correlations are when I'm feeling high, when I'm feeling low in different aspects of my life. What am I writing consistently? What am I not writing consistently? Um, and then start to use that insight to then create systems to make my life even more efficient and essentially raise how I feel. Right. Like I think a lot of people are not optimizing towards feeling good. Right. Mm. They're optimizing towards minutes worked, money in the bank, this, that, like, but they don't opt optimize towards how they feel. And so that's yeah. why that rating of how you feel um, quantitatively is very important. Mm, I see. I would say how you feel is essentially <clears throat> the source of energy, right? Like understanding what gives you energy, what puts energy from you. It's like, it, it's sort of the way to find out like what makes you happy or like what what would you rather spend time on versus what would you not so 100 percent, i agree like i um wanted to ask you a little bit about like um knowing what you know now like around content creation around digital marketing around sales and marketing or just like being more self-conscious being more self-aware um what is a piece of advice that you would give to someone who is, let's say, just graduated from university or just like trying to figure their passion, trying to learn how to do marketing? So trying to find their passion or learn how to do marketing? Or like what, what is the exact piece of thing I'm trying to inform people on? <laughs> okay, okay. Let me reframe it this way. So yeah. what is a piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Um, Everything isn't as bad as it initially seems. Um, I'm a bit of an older soul. I've always been, but I think also my experiences, I'm 28, but I definitely don't have the frame of a typical 28 year old. And I think when I work with people that are younger than me, I can really see a vast gap in difference when bad things happen, when things hit the fan. Um, I'm really stoic. I'm really relaxed. I'm really calm. 
and I see other people like instantly go <laughs> like they start freaking out. And what I end up seeing as I, as I watch <clears throat> is over time, over the next few days, as the problem gets sorted out, they come back down and it was never that bad, never that serious. It never really, there was never really that big of an issue. But in the moment it happens, it feels so big. And I think the piece of advice I would give is like when you get that initial shock to really just breathe, really just relax, really just get a perspective on like, hey, I'm not in a hospital bed. You know, there's horrific things happening in the world and we live in a safe country with drinking water and like, let's let's really just frame up how big of a deal this actual problem is. Um, and just relax. That would be my best piece of advice. Absolutely. And I like to close it off by asking you to give our audience who is turning in a challenge. Is there anything top of mind? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get. I'm trying to think of a challenge that actually benefits everyone. Like the first thing I was going to think of is I challenge everyone to put out a piece of content every day for 30 days. Um, but I do think there are some people that like, that won't benefit them because of their personal ambitions. Um, so I'll do two pronged. I'll do number one. If you do have ambition, um, start putting out a video a day, a post a day, a tweet a day, just one piece of content every single day, um, where you do something in relation to that passion. Like, just do it for 30 days. Just don't question it after five days. Like, really commit to 30 days. Put it out. Don't overthink it. Um, make sure every day it's something different. You can't just put out 30 tweets. That doesn't count. You can do a tweet. Next day, do a story. Next day, do a reel. Next day, do something. Then you can do another tweet on day six. But, like, let's create some variability here. Um, that would be my challenge to those people. And then my challenge to the people that don't want to do that is to figure out why they don't want to do that and ask themselves, what is their goal? Because I think it's hard for me to comprehend someone that doesn't want to put out content, but is still ambitious. Because I think if you are ambitious, putting out content can only help you. And so therefore, if you don't want to put out content, I'd ask myself, okay, am I ambitious? If no, why? If no, what's my goal? Like really double click and figure out like what you want to do with your years on the, on this planet. Because I think a lot of people hit that midlife crisis and something happens in their life and time really gets put into perspective all of a sudden. And they realize they've wasted a lot of years um, and they freak out a little bit. And I would encourage you to not wait for that moment. Absolutely. This is so lovely. Thank you so much for coming. And where can our audience find you? On Instagram, it's Hayden.Cashin. That's H-A-Y-D-E-N-C-A-S-H-I-O-N. Um, on TikTok, it's the same thing, but no dot, just my, my name. Um, those are the easiest places or Hayden at CashinMarketing.com for, uh, for email. Sounds great. Attach uh, them in the descriptions. And again, Hayden, my thank man. you so much for coming. A pleasure to have you. Appreciate it, Alex. Thank you.